Yo, what's up, everybody? This is your boy, Lorel Cole Molzak, and you're listening to the Socially Awkward Podcast. Socially, socially, socially awkward. Socially, socially, socially awkward. Let's go. Y'all, let's get to it. We are in season two, and I'm excited. I'm ready. Man, it's been a long hiatus. I've been busy. I've been doing a lot of different things, and I just cannot wait to share with you all what's happening in season two. What's been going on right now? My boys have really bad allergies. Like, I have twin boys, and their allergies are crazy. The reason why they get it from me, you know where I get it from? My daddy, and I'm pretty sure he got it from his daddy. It's like this never-ending cycle where I pass things down to my kids that I didn't even know was possible to be passed down. I feel bad for them because their nose are running, they're coughing and sneezing, and <sighs> the season's changing, y'all. The season, and every time the season's change, my, all this right here, sinuses, all that is a wrap. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's terrible. So if you hear me sneezing here and there, it's because I got allergies. I'm taking some Allegra here and there. You know what I mean? Trying to get myself together. You know what I'm saying? But I'm here. I'm back. I'm ready. Season two, we are here. And today, we're talking about the five love languages and why I think it's trash. Though so it is helpful, I think oftentimes it's misleading. So let's get into it. Um, five love languages, for, for those who do not know, the five love languages helps to express how your partner likes to be loved in a way that makes sense to them. Um, Gary Chapman wrote this book, The Five Love Languages, and they are words of affirmation, quality time, uh, receiving of gifts, physical touch, and acts of service. And with each one, you're usually identified with one being the strongest, five being the weakest. My wife, we took this test in our first year of marriage. And for me, when I took it, words of affirmation was my number one. Receiving of gifts, I believe, was my number five. Um, I just like to be affirmed. It's one of those things like, you talk to me nice. I tell wife, you talk to me nice. You tell me something about me that you that you like. <sighs> I'm melting. I'm like, okay, cool. I feel motivated. I feel like I can keep moving on. I feel like I'm on top of the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, words of affirmation for me is like, it gets me there. You feel me? My wife, hers is quality time. Um, she loves quality. She loves to spend time with me. You know, whether it's watching a movie or, you know, talking at night or watching TikTok videos or something like that. Like, you know what I mean? She's like, quality time is her number one. Is her number one. I find it very helpful. I think it was, it was really good for us to kind of see, okay, this is how you like to be loved. Cool. You know what I mean? But I feel like a lot of times we look at how we like to be loved and... And if our, if our spouse don't love us in that way, we feel like they don't love us at all. And that's furthest from the truth. Um, just because they don't love us in the way that we want to be loved doesn't mean they don't love us. What that really means is we're dealing with something that we haven't dealt with in the past. And so it keeps getting brought up subconsciously in a way that we're expecting our spouse to do for us. We haven't dealt with certain things in our past, in our you know childhood trauma. Uh, we haven't dealt with those intricate details of life that caused a rift in how we think, that caused a shift in our perspective of life, that caused shifts in behaviors and patterns. We don't we don't tackle that side, and so the love language for me does not tackle the side that changed the shift or changed the perspective on how you think today. It just basically says, hey, your, your words of affirmation, that's your love language. That's how you're to be loved. 
but you haven't affirmed yourself. Like for me, like I, I had like this epiphany. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like words of affirmation is like my number one love language. But I realized that I haven't really been affirming myself. I would be sending stuff to people hoping to get their approval. And I realized that's something that happened when I was younger. Like I was always seeking approval. I was always, I hated to be rejected. It started from when, like when my mom or, or someone told me that I couldn't do something. Oh, that's not you, you can't do that. So I had to, I went into like survival mode where I had to prove that I could. And so I continued to do it over and over and over again. And I used that negative thought, the rejection to kind of fuel me to do better <laughs> and to actually do what they said that I could not do. You get what I'm saying? And so what happens is because I didn't learn to affirm myself as a child, what happens is as I mature and get older, I'm expecting the person that I choose to love me, that I choose to love rather, to do those things for me that I haven't done for myself. And so when she doesn't do it, I don't feel love because I, I don't love myself in that way. You get what I'm saying? We have to learn to love ourselves in we have to love ourselves, period, before we ex just sit here, get into relationships, expecting them to love us. Because if they don't love us the way we want to be loved, for some reason, we just we discount them. We're like, oh, OK, they don't. We feel rejected. We feel abandoned. They don't love us because, you know, I want gifts. He ain't gave me no product purse. He didn't give me he ain't give me no Louis Vuitton. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that he don't even love me because you want some gifts. Well, you know, back in the day, I didn't, you know, my mom and dad didn't give me no gifts. You know, I was, we were poor, we were broke, so we didn't have money to get gifts and stuff like that. So that's why you want gifts. That's why that's your number one. Well, I didn't give quality time is my, is my number one. You know, what, what happened? Why, why is quality time your number one? Well, you know, uh, yeah, uh, my uncle, you know, who I was living with, they didn't, they didn't spend no time with me, so I was on my own. And so you find peace and comfort and stability and security being around other people, being around your spouse. And so when that person that, that you love is not there, you feel abandoned, you feel rejected. That makes sense. But we have to, under, we have to understand that we have to tap into those areas that hurt, those open wounds. We have to tap into the, those areas that are sore in order for us to get true healing out of it so we're not expecting our, our spouse to be our God. We're not expecting our, a spouse to be our, an idol that we're looking up to to fulfill the need that should have been fulfilled when we were a child. It's not even all your fault. We have to just, to, we have to use therapy. We have to, I'll be talking about this all the time. I've been, I've been preaching therapy and counseling for a minute now. Why? Because it helps you to uncover and unpack those areas that you've hidden a long time ago. It keeps coming up when you get older, when you're maturing, it keeps coming up in ways that that's really sometimes borderline toxic, destructive, and you're trying to figure out why is it that way? Why do you keep acting that way? Why are you always going off? Why are you so defensive? Well, there's some areas that you ain't tapped into when you was younger. There was some areas you ain't tapped into that, that caused you to have that shift in perspective, that caused you to be defensive. Why are you, that caused you to be ha ah, all the time. Why, why are you so ha? Ah? You get know what I'm saying? Like, why you got to be so extra all the time? Well, you had to be in order to survive. My counselor told me one time, he said, you needed certain things to survive then that you don't need to survive now. And a lot of times we're using survival methods and survival tactics that we needed when we were younger that we don't need now. We have to suppress that 13-year-old, that 8-year-old, that 6-year-old child that's in us that keeps rising up at 31, 32, 27. We have to understand who's the child 
and who's you, the mature one. And we have to tell the child to sit in the back seat. That, but that only happens when you understand the origin of the root and root of why you do certain things and why you think that you should be loved in certain ways. And ultimately, what happens is when you get into a relationship, when you get married, when you start doing this love languages thing, ultimately what starts happening is you start having this parent-child relationship. One, one assumes the role of a parent, the other assumes the role of a child, and you keep going, you flip-flop. It's like you're going back and forth. One's a parent, one's a child, one's a child, one's a parent. When you assume the role of a parent, what happens is you become the caretaker, right? You, you start assuming the role that I got to take care of you. I have to rescue you from how you feel. I have to rescue you from the place that you're in. Um, uh, so whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it because I crave what I miss. I want to be rescued. When I was younger, no one rescued me. No one took care of me. And so I'm taking on that responsibility to rescue you. So whatever you need, I'm going to be here. I'll be your idol for you so that you don't have to look at anyone else. You don't have to look at God. Look at me. I'll rescue you. So we assume this role of a parent to rescue our spouse and to take care of our spouse and love them in ways that they don't even love themselves in. And with and they're the parent. The other person assumes the role of a child. And the child, you already know how children are. I got two of them. They throw tantrums. They they get upset. They scream. They get emotional. You, you know, sometimes they don't even understand their emotion. They just, they just, ah, you know what I'm saying? They're going crazy all the time. And what happens is when you assume the role of a child, you're saying, I want to be loved this way. I need this. Need, need, need. I want, want, want. Not an understanding, not understanding that what you want may not be what you actually need. And what you need may have been what you needed then, and it's not what you need now. So when you assume the role of a child, you're saying, I, I, I want to be affirmed. I want to be affirmed. If you're not affirming me, then you don't love me. If you don't, if you don't give me no acts of service and, and clean up the house, then you don't care nothing about me. You know, I need, need, need. And some of us go down the list. Look, I want to be affirmed, and I want quality time, and I want my gifts. And we go, go down the whole, all five of them. All, all, five, all, all five of mine are my number one. What? If you ain't doing all five of them, you don't love me. I'm divorcing you. I'm leaving you. It's a wrap. I'm done. What? There's a, there's a deeper issue. So we assume the route, the role of a child, and we have one who's the parent who's saying, "I'll rescue you. I'll give you whatever you want." And then we have the child who's emotional, saying, "I want, want, want. I need, need, need." Throwing emotional tantrums because usually those type of relationships are become unsuccessful because. It's called immaturity. That's what it's called. It's called immaturity. And it's called lack. It's called ignorance, really. Where you you don't understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. You don't understand the role that you're playing in a relationship. I find that it's helpful that two people are healing before they get married. Mind you, I didn't say all, all healed <laughs> because being healed means you're you no longer have the issue. A lot of times when you get into relationships, you're going to have certain issues that you have to deal with. But just as long as you're healing, just as long as you're getting counseling, you're getting help, you're having community, you're talking to people, you're growing from those mistakes, you're growing from those patterns that are that are destructive, that are not helpful for you to grow. Once you are healing, you're able to be connected with others, right? And so that you can heal and grow together. I find that very important. We always like to say, I got to be whole before I get married. Well, sometimes that... It just won't happen that way. <laughs> Sometimes we have to work through some things, even in, even in a relationship and where you're taking counseling and you're getting therapy, you're healing. 
You get what I'm saying? You're recovering. Um, and you really don't really find that true healing uh, where you're actually healed with an ED once, unless you're connected to God, unless you're really finding the spiritual aspect of who God is, understanding where he's taking you from, the origin and the root, and where he's placing you now, where he's placing you at now. That's where the healing takes place, where you bridge the gap from the past, the future, the present. You bridge those things together. You understand, oh, wait a minute. This is how God has me. This is where he wants me. This is how I'm healing. This is this is the area where I opened the wound. God covered it up. He healed me. He bandaged me together. I can move forward. And there's going to be times where there's going to be another wound that's going to open up. And who are you going to go to? You're going to go to God. You're going to get some healing. You're going to get, you know what I'm saying? You're going to go through these processes and steps to get to a place where you can function in a relationship. You can't function in a relationship if you're playing the parent role and the other one's playing the child role. And sometimes both of us are trying to be the parent. I want to rescue you. Well, I want to rescue you. Well, I'll take care of you. I'm taking care of you. And you button heads 24-7. And then you got other relationships where you two, two other children, like just emotional, going at it, just fighting, defensive, and yelling because you haven't figured out how to love yourself. And you're expecting that other person to love you in ways that you didn't get loved. When you're a child, it's hard. It's very difficult to really to grow an understanding of that, because when you're not when you're not understanding those intricate details of life that cause you to be who you are today, it's hard to tell someone else to do something for you that you don't even really know if that's really what you need especially now, because you may be thinking you need words of affirmation now. And what you really need is, is a hug. What you really need is someone to, to really hold you. And that's not physical touch. That's just, that's showing empathy. You need someone to kind of give you, and that's something that I've struggled with. To be honest, with transparency, it's like I've struggled with the empathy part. When my father passed when I was 17, it was like a piece of the empathy kind of ripped itself from me because I didn't want to feel I didn't want to feel that I, I could love so hard and it and that person that I love gets taken from me and so I'm like well let me just get rid of empathy altogether when I got married I realized wait a minute there's something missing and she would tell me Rucker, why why you gotta be why are you so callous in certain areas I'm like I, I don't know and I had to do some self-discovery and understanding oh when my father passed, I got rid of, I, I, it's like I deleted certain emotion, emotional patterns in my life where I know that if I got too close and I felt too, too, if I felt too much love, I wouldn't be able to handle you leaving me if you left me or if you died, if you passed away. I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. So a lot of people suppress emotions. A lot of people remove certain emotions and put up walls and barriers because we don't want to feel rejected. We don't want to feel the aftermath, the, the fear of what could happen. And, it, and it, it stunts our growth. It stunts our ability to love in ways that are healthy. Here's the thing. God has called us to love. We're, we're loving beings, right? And how we love should just come out. Like my wife shouldn't have to tell me how to love her. I should already know based on who I am, who God is in me, I should, based on how I feel about her, I should be able to just give her love without her telling me, hey, I want to be loved this way. That's selfish. That's the problem I have with love languages. 
It's borderline selfish. It's like, you, you do this for me. Really? Okay. As if you can't trust how I can love you. I've studied you. I figured you out. I know this. I know this about you. I know that. I know how you act and how you eat. I know what you like to eat. I know what you're allergic to. I know what bothers you. I know what certain fabrics bother you. I know. I know certain things. So I'm going to love you in a way that allows you to feel me, not you. I'm going to love you in a way that allows you to feel the love that I'm giving you, not the love that you feel that you need for you. You get what I'm saying? Like, that's where two individuals have to be mature in order to get together. Because when you're healing and when you're understanding who you are, you begin to love yourself. And if that person doesn't give you affirmation, you've affirmed yourself enough to say, hey, I'm good. You know, I would like it every now and then. It'd be cool. But that's not going to define whether I feel that you love me or not, because I've affirmed myself. I give myself gifts. I'm cool. I work for it. I work hard for my money. I give myself gifts because it's all right. I, I love some gifts every now and then, and I'll express that. I'll communicate that to you. But at the same time, I'm okay. I'm healing. I understand why <laughs> I like quality time. I understand why I need that for me. And so one of the reasons that love language is, you know, is, is so misleading because it definitely focuses on you and what you need instead of focusing on why you need it and if you even really need it at all. You get what I'm saying? So that's my idea. That's why I, <laughs> I probably ruffle some feathers regarding the love languages. Um, but I just don't use it as truth, to be honest. You know, I think it's helpful. Again, I think it's helpful. Um, it can be a good measure of, of where you are, but also it can also pinpoint, you know, why do you need that? Take the test and then figure out why do I need that? Why is that something I'm, I'm wrestling with? Why do I feel that this person needs to love me in that way? And then when you start tapping on the root, that's where we get scared now. That's where fear fear creeps in. Like, oh, I don't want to revisit. It's like a wall or it's like a door that I don't, I've, I've kept closed for a long time. I don't want to revisit that door. There's too much pain behind that door. I don't want to touch that door. Too much pain. It's too much. I, I, can, I can't handle that. But we leave the door closed and locked. Gave somebody else the key. Get that key back, open that door, and figure out who you are so that you can love you wholeheartedly and not expect somebody else to love you. It's great that they love you. It's great. I'm, 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 ad I'm an advocate of making sure that your spouse loves you. Absolutely. But at the same time, you got to love you first. Because how, how can you love someone else if you don't love you? A scripture says it's like this. So there's a scripture, Psalms 55, 22. I'm going to leave you with this. Psalms 55, 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. Too many times we're casting our cares on our spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, and everybody else. They can't sustain us. I know we love them. We, I know we want to live with them for the rest of our life, but they cannot, my wife cannot sustain me. Only God can sustain me. That's why I cast my cares on him. I don't just dump stuff on my wife and I cast my cares on the Lord. He's the only one that can sustain me. It says here, he will never let the righteous be shaken. And that's where balance comes in. Because oftentimes we're off balance. Because we're casting our cares on the wrong people. And leaving us shaken, leaving us unbalanced, leaving us, you, you get what I'm saying? Like we, we're uneven. We're, 
delusioned. You know what I'm saying? We're just in this trance where like, I'm, I'm casting my cares on all these people, but they don't understand me. They can't sustain you. They can't keep you. They can't. They, you have to cast your cares on the Lord. He's the only one that can, can make sure that you're balanced. That he can sustain you in those those toughest times, the roughest moments. He can really, he can hold you together. I wrote a song called Broken Pieces or Broken Beautiful. He makes me beautiful in broken pieces. If I'm broken, God, he's the only one that really can mend me together. I wrote a book called Shattered Glass, Mending the Broken Pieces. God can only mend the broken pieces of us back together. If I do it myself, if it's broken, if it's like a glass, I'm going to cut myself trying to put stuff together. And that's not how it works. God. Let God do the healing. Let God do the work. Cast your cares on him and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. I want to leave that with you. I hope this is helpful. Um, if you like it, leave a comment. I'd like for you to subscribe, share. Let me know how you like it. And I cannot wait to come with you, come to you with another episode of the Socially Awkward Podcast. If you enjoyed it, let me know. Thank you. Peace. Socially, socially, socially awkward. Socially, socially, socially awkward. Let's go.